Rusev gets posterized. Welcome to another episode of the Committee Williams podcast. For a little while, we've been gone, but we are back. I'm back. I'm back in Perth. I was in Bali, and sitting in the studio with me is my good friend, Mark Committee. Hello, Mark. G'day, mate. It's good to have you back. Happy birthday for uh, your, your previous trip to you uh, turned the big 2-4 in Bali. Uh, so congratulations on that. I know you said to me that you're feeling a little bit old. I don't quite understand, Jimmy. If you're feeling old at 24, mate, as uh, probably a lot of our listeners would think, you've got a long, uh, long old way to go. 24. 24, mate. You're a baby. Um, well, if you say so. I try not to be. I do. <laughs> We're going to look at uh, the best and biggest moments of 2018 in the upcoming episode. Mark has also had his eye on the UFC action from today, actually, the uh, 30th of December. We're approaching the end of the year. There's only one more day to go. And the NBA's four-point line, Mark, you you uh, have stumbled across this. I've stumbled across the line? Is that what you mean? I, did, I, did, I thought it was a fictitious thing. I was paid under the court. I didn't think it was possible to stumble over it. It's not, on the, it's not on the NBA court yet. I hope it never is, but we will talk about it a little bit later on. Twenty eighteen has been a big year in sport. West Coast Eagles became premiers. A lot of cricket controversy, Mark, and I just wonder what do you think the year will be remembered by most? Um, obviously, the cricket scandal, as, as you touched on just then. But to me, uh, from a totally probably biased point of view, um, not that I'm a West Coast supporter, having said all that, but it was probably the uh, you know being West Australian, Optus Stadium opening. Big year there, uh, and then to cap it off with the debut year of Optus Stadium, the Eagles win the flag. That's that's massive when you think about it. You were basically at every game at Optus Stadium this year, weren't you? I was, I was, and obviously, uh, so I got a, a really good seat to view it all. Um, so it was cool watching the journey, and obviously what makes it uh, more sort of perplexing in its way is that no one sort of picked it um, at the start. So it's really got that sort of uh, luster to it. Uh, by the end of it all. So it, it was good, I thought. And um, that was one you, when you look back and think, wow, that was the first year Optus was open. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I like think that. it's a remarkable journey for what the West Coast Eagles had. And some particular football experts predicted them to win the wooden spoon. Yeah, uh, I didn't have them in my top eight and they just continued to defy everything. But what disappoints me about the 2018 year in sport is that I don't think we'll remember the year for the Eagles premiership, which is sad because it was remarkable that what they achieved was phenomenal. Mm. I think as I touched on the year will be remembered by what happened in South Africa with Steve Smith, Cam Bancroft and David Warner. And that, that Mm. makes me, that makes me really upset for Eagles fans and the Eagles footy club, because as Australians, I think we got so caught up in what happened, Mm. labeling them cheaters and, and that sort of thing. And, 
of course, the bans came into place and they weren't allowed to play cricket and Camp Bancroft actually returned today. And then you compare that to the Dom Sheed moment and how remarkable and how awesome that was for such a young man to step up mm-hmm. in front of 100,000 people on grand final day at, MC, at the MCG. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's fantastic. It was, it was honestly, it's been undersold. The Eagles win has been undersold completely. But I think when we look back in history, most people will go, oh, that was the year those three cricketers got banned for tampering with the ball in South Africa. Yeah, I think it's also dependent on the demographic and who you're talking to, I guess. Right. Um, and, and where cricket sits on the totem pole of what people are interested in, I guess. But, I mean, the one thing it does have is it's a, it's a national thing. Whereas the AFL in general is not in, say, states like New South Wales and Queensland. They it's might not, not a, consider it's not it the, top, the top dog there regardless. Uh, never mind that it was a West Australian team. So... You know, a lot of people that don't like the Eagles or, or weren't sort of into that, so to speak, into that team may not view that as a huge thing anyway uh, because they just don't hold that weight on it. So I guess the cricket thing obviously does have us as a whole sort of as a nation, whereas uh, the AFL doesn't to a degree. And, and then obviously the team, you've got to be going for that team to be happy about it. Uh, but it was, as a spectacle, the grand final was one of the greatest grand finals in, in recent history. I couldn't agree more uh, to come from five goals down and to do it. And then without... Those three players, we've we've just spoken about this in other episodes, you know, yep. missing Nick Nat, missing Brad Shepherd, mm. uh, they missing well, missing a third player. I've gone blank, but um, can't remember who that was. Can you remember? No, handling it. Uh, he's, I'm handling. trying to give you the logo. He got suspended. That's right, Gaffy. Gaffy. Mm. He did a gaff. So I reckon. Try to lead you. It wasn't a handball. Was it? It was. It was a clip. It was a clip. <laughs> It looked like a handball. Yeah, well, yeah. I could see where it went wrong when I was trying to give you the, the clip. Yeah. You know? So, uh, of course, missing three of their, of arguably their best 22. It's, it's in my opinion, it is sad because Eagles fans, well, they're the ones who will remember it. But I think as a, when I say as a whole, and you made a good point, as a demographic, it, it depends on, on what you like and what you're into. A lot of people will remember the NRL flag winner over East and in rugby <laughs> that, states. That probably won't be me. <laughs> It's certainly not me. I can't yeah, even remember so what it was on top of my head. Someone's making a podcast in New South Wales or Queensland saying the exact same thing about the AFL. So there you go. Now, ever since we started this podcast, Mark, I've been getting into this a lot more than I probably would have been in previous years. The UFC today, it's a couple of big fights and a couple of big moments and one really big name who uh, has come back into the competition and done what he's always done, I suppose, John Jones. John Jones, yeah. Well, normally, obviously, the last pay-per-view for the UFC, for those that don't know, at the end of every year is always usually their biggest pay-per-view. So it's usually right before New Year's uh, in the last weekend of December Um, and it is usually always their biggest one. So they're WrestleMania, so to speak. So they normally pack this card out. This year was probably a little bit lighter than most, but it's still huge because of the return of, of Bones Jones, as they call him. And obviously the women's fight, which was the biggest fight in women's history with Chris Cyborg and Amanda Nunes, champion versus champion on that one. But yeah, Jones was obviously very good in his uh, return. Um, handily beat Gustafson in a stoppage. Um, those, those two went the distance a few years back and it was, was sort of, uh, believed that Gustafson was the biggest challenger to Jones, uh, prior to this, obviously, as far as sort of taking him to the brink a little bit, 
Now, for those who don't know who John Jones is, I just want to run through it for them. He's been suspended three times. The first time, 2015, for a hit-and-run felony. In 2016, he was stripped of his light heavyweight title for failing a drug test. And on July 19th, 2017, he won a fight, but he was later suspended and stripped of that for failing another drug test. He hasn't had the cleanest record, but another thing that's remarkable about Jones is that he's only ever lost by disqualification and in that fight that I mentioned before, having the title stripped from him. So he, this is quite a phenomenal fighter in this competition, Mark. Well, phenomenal is almost an understatement with Jones. I've never seen sort of anything like him. The only comparison would be, I think, Anderson Silva in his prime. Um, but Jones is sort of more well-rounded than Anderson was even because uh, the sport has evolved. And he's obviously a sort of top athlete from an athletic family. His brother's playing the NFL. Um, so there's some definite, uh, you know, culture to that family and, and genetics that go along with it, I would say. But no, I've never seen anything like him in any combat sport ever. Were you surprised um, by the win today? No, I definitely wasn't. Um, I've just never seen anyone get close to him. Um, and probably the only fight that does come to mind was Gustafson in their first fight, the first time they met. Um, by all accounts, though, Jones was a little bit uh, off with the fairies in that one and wasn't quite himself and didn't take uh, Alexander that seriously at that time. He still came away with the decision win, but that's as far as he's ever been pushed. Um, and I've just he takes top guys and makes them look bad. And I've just never seen someone do that so often. And especially, you could get it in boxing to a degree for spurts, but usually in boxing, they control who they fight a bit more. So they can pick their spots a bit more. They can fight guys when they're sort of off their prime. They can do that unless they really need the cash. In the UFC, it's controlled by the UFC. So you're fighting the best guys all the time. And he's just demoralized guys that you thought were right there. Um, and obviously, his biggest challenger is then moving into uh, Daniel Cormier, who's the current heavyweight champion. And obviously, as you will get into, gave up his belt before this match in quite a strange little way. It is weird, isn't it? I mean, he was the light heavyweight title, but he had to give it up. He he didn't want to become stripped. The UFC said he wasn't going to become stripped, but he was angry that, that he had to give it away. So it's just a really yeah, unique I, situation. Yeah, I can't make quite sort of make out what, what happened there and where the breakdown was. Now, for those that don't know, Daniel Cormier had both of the titles. So light heavyweight title, which John Jones won this morning. And the heavyweight title, so he's a two he's a two division champ. Um, now him and Jones have had two matches in the past, uh, and Jones has won both of them, one by decision, one by knockout. The one that was knockout was the one that you you later before uh, alluded to was a no contest due to a, a doping uh, blood test that came out after the fact. So Cormier then got the belt back uh, after that. So Cormier turns forty next year. Yep. If you're him. Would you fight Jones and try and reclaim your title? He's come out and said he doesn't want to. Um, now, he, as I said, he's still got the heavyweight title. So, But it's the only fight that really makes sense now in the UFC, whether Jones goes up to face him for the heavyweight strap um, and he tries to get two titles or, or Cormier comes down and, and fights Jones again. Um, but he's come out and said he doesn't want to fight Jones. So it's strange. And he's sort of he's hiding behind the fact that he thinks Jones is a cheat. Which is fair enough. Well, he jumped. Yeah, so it's it's fair enough. He 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 sort of he's got the history to back it up there. And DC seems like such a good dude. And if he wants to go out on his terms and and not and not face him again, because I think the defeat really messed him up. The time he was knocked out. For those that don't know, Daniel Cormier was one of the 
premier fighters in the UFC. He's only lost twice, and his only two losses were to John Jones. He's only been stopped once in his career ever, and that was to John Jones. So he's like his nemesis that he can't get over. And by all accounts, this guy's obviously won the light heavyweight title, then gone and beat the heavyweights in the heavyweight title. Right. So he will go down as one of the greatest pound-for-pound fighters ever, and he can't beat this one dude. <laughs> That's going to keep you up at night. It has to, right? So... And I don't think he wants a shot at him again. Now, he's, he's, as I said, it's almost like he's sort of hiding behind the doping stuff and stuff like that. And I get it to a degree because he thinks it's not a fair fight. But he's also challenged Brock Lesnar, Daniel, Daniel yeah. Cormier. All right? well, I so think he, a lot of our listeners will be familiar yeah, with so Brock Lesnar. And as I heard one uh, commentator nicely put it today, if John Jones has a picogram, as what they call it, <laughs> tested positive for, yeah. to, to Renabol or whatever he did, if he's got a pinch of salt, then Brock Lesnar's got a brick. <laughs> so they were just stating. Because Brock's found some testing too. So if you really feel that adamant about the whole testing thing, you probably wouldn't be fighting Brock either. Now, he obviously likes his chances more against Brock at heavyweight because Brock hasn't been fighting or whatnot. So he figures a, a clean Brock Lesnar is going to be beatable. So so that sort of comes into his question of, of the whole, you know, not fighting John because of that. Then why would you fight Brock? So... Brock's, you know, by many stands a bigger, more scarier dude, but out of his prime now. When he was when he was prime UFC champ, you know, you're probably running the same type of risk. But clearly Jones is in his head a little bit. Um, Jones, after the fight today, said, you know, come get your belt if you want it. They've been going back and forth very nastily on Twitter. Um, they cross a lot of lines. DC sort of starts by obviously revving him up with the whole doping stuff. Um but Jones actually commented back, which I thought, there's one thing you don't do. You don't bring family and stuff into it. Okay. And Jones quoted back something like, I could slap your wife on the ass and you couldn't do a thing about it. Yeah, right. You're my so bitch. there's a lot of fuel DC. added to the fire Yeah, now. so when you say something like that, I mean, you're really questioning a man's manhood. And he's obviously a fighter, so he's not scared. But he really likes to cross those lines, John Jones. And it's a weird one because the more you hear about Jones – the less you like him personally, but you cannot deny him as an athlete. And whether or not that's his sort of chip on his shoulder or his edge or how he is the way he is. But, uh, yeah, he's bizarre. He's perplexing. One thing I will say about the doping is one thing I learned watching a uh, Joe Rogan podcast the other day. Mm, okay. was a picogram. Watching what, a, yeah. pod, a podcast? Yeah, well, you watch it, listen to it. Okay. But he, he films his too. He's a bit more advanced than us, Jimmy. Okay. I think one day. I think his budget's a little bit bigger. <laughs> Um, he also goes for about three hours of podcast, which is quite extensive. Oh, yeah. uh, but he's a funny man, Joe Rogan. I like him a lot. Um, but anyway, a picogram with the measurement that John Jones tested positive for. Well, he had like 60 picograms or something. Right. All right. Now, uh, everyone's wondering what a picogram is, which I thought found interesting. Now, they said if you get a grain of salt and you divide that 58 million times. What? Yes, you get one picogram. So that just explains to you the minute about that John Jones was tested positive for. And it was a long-term metabolite of the drug. So why are, the, why are these guys taking this stuff if, they, if, it's gonna, if they're going to get caught? If, if, well, if the history shows that these guys get caught, why are they doing it? Well, the, the drug that he was tested positive for, the Russian Olympics used to use a lot. And what they do, they micro-dose micro it and stuff like that. So they've got these weird ways of taking it so it doesn't spike up too much and it isn't detected. But what's happened is as technology's gotten better testing it, they now know all the metabolites that these parent drugs produce. So when they're, mm. when they're broken down by the body, yeah. you get these little markers come out, and that's what you test positive for, the metabolites. Okay, so you've got the, the medium-term, short-term, medium-term, long-term. All right? 
So he tested for the long-term ones. But because this is so precise and because the, 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 the positive test was so minute, I mean, this could be from years and years ago. Because the thing is, before the fight today, he tested the, had abnormalities rather in his test just the other day again. And that's what prompted the whole Daniel Cormier coming out and blasting him again on social media. But what, what that was, was the old test, what got picked up last time, getting picked up again. I just want to let you know that in year 10, mm-hmm. in my extension science class, <laughs> science class, I got kicked out. But I'm sure the listeners will understand everything you just said. Well, I just found it interesting. <laughs> A grade of salt divided 58 million times. I mean, that's pretty bad yet. There was also another big fight today and Amanda Nunez's win. How big was this? Was this surprising to you? Uh, the, the fashion in which it happened was surprising. Not 50, necessarily the result. 51 second knockout. So a very, very phenomenal performance. Yeah, that, that was the most surprising part to it. She definitely had the skill to win. Now, now, for those of you that don't know, Amanda Nunez was the holder of the 135 women's title, which used to be Ronda Rousey's belt. And obviously that's the, the deepest division in women's MMA. Okay. Now, Cyborg's come in. She's heavier, so she's at 145. Now, there used to be lots of rumors about her and Ronda wanting to fight. Ronda used to do the same thing as DC does. She said she doesn't want to fight Cyborg because Cyborg's not clean. <laughs> um, if you've seen Cyborg, she's quite uh, masculine-looking physique-wise. She's big. You could, you could see why there could be a few questions there. So Ronda never used to want to fight her, and Cyborg's a bigger fighter anyway. So they've created a 145 division in the UFC. Cyborg's come in, demolished everyone in a way. Basically, there's no challenges left. So Nunes is a very good fighter, is my point. So she's the queen or the king, or however you want to put it, of of the deepest women's division in the UFC. Well, she, she certainly is now. She's the first woman in UFC history to win two titles in different... No, she now holds two different titles, doesn't she? So yes. the first woman ever. And the only other two people that have done that feat in the UFC are Conor McGregor and Daniel Cormier, who we spoke about before. Yes, and both very recently. So it's a fad that's only happened in the last few years because it was a lot harder to sort of jump around divisions back in the day. Uh, but it was a fight that made sense. Biggest women's fight ever. Um, I had goosebumps before the fight. I was more excited for this fight than the main event. Um, this was the fight of the night for me. Um, disappointed it went the way it went so quick. Um, it was shocking, but I just I wanted a good fight out of him. So I was a bit bit sort of staggered by that. As I said, the, it, it wasn't the result. It wasn't Nunes winning because I, I went over her credentials before and she's that good. So it wasn't unfathomable to think she could win. It was just her knocking out Cyborg, who is a knockout artist and the bigger athlete, in the first round. So that the that was the part that was surprising because if you thought if anyone was going to win in the first round, it's Cyborg. It's Once it goes past the first round, Nunes was a good chance. But she beat her at her own game and just the accuracy and power just, ugh. It was, it, was, it was awesome to watch, but like it was literally the first time I've really ever had goosebumps. You're for getting a, all for emotional. A, no, for a female's fight. I mean, I, I like some of Ronda's fights. They had that big fight feel to some of them. Yeah. The but this one. one was just, the, the, the skills were on another level. So these two girls are two of the best ever, and you just knew it was going to be a good fight. So that one was awesome. So congratulations to Amanda Nunes. She now becomes the undisputed queen of MMA and probably will go down as the best female fighter in history now because she beat Wanda Rousey. She's beat now Cyborg, so they're the two biggest names ever. Um, she demolished Ronda. Ronda was obviously coming back off a loss, so that wasn't a bit of a shell of herself at the time. But Cyborg, I'm not sure if Cyborg is still in her prime because she's had a lot of mileage on the tank, even though she's only three years older. I think her prime was probably a few years back.
today, Mark, I was getting ready for the show and I was eagerly awaiting your arrival here to the studio and you messaged me and you said, I want to talk about the NBA's four-point line. Now, not going to lie, I hadn't actually heard of this. I didn't even know it existed. Apparently, it doesn't. It's a phantom line, but maybe you can explain it a little bit better. Well, it's just, it's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? You got a three-point line, you got a four-point line. So some coaches have started experimenting with a four-point line. So there obviously must be rumours circulating that potentially due to the range of shooters now. Trey Young. Yeah. Well, Trey Young. Steph Curry started it. Come on, don't disrespect Steph like that by saying Trey Young. Um, these guys are pulling up from closer and closer to uh, half court. So they're, they're assuming now they may put a four-point line in. So the brainchild of this – or sorry, the, the mastermind, I should say, of this idea yes. is one of two people. <laughs> Lloyd Pierce, who is now the coach of the Atlanta Hawks uh-huh. and was formerly an assistant at the Philadelphia 76ers with mm-hmm. Brett Brown. Mm-hmm. Now, he's taken it to Atlanta and he's basically implemented it on the court. And that's why we're seeing, and that's why we saw rather, Trey Young pull up in that Lakers game from half court. And he pointed to the court. He point, He didn't He didn't really celebrate. He just sort of pointed to this imaginary line, like you said, on the, <laughs> the center logo line. court. Did he get an extra point when he pointed? No. <laughs> Well, Did they put four up on the scoreboard? We'll That's get, what you want to know. We'll get to that a little bit later on. But the fascinating thing here is that that coaches are so deep in this technology and spacing the floor and this sort of thing that mm-hmm. they are going after guys like Trey Young. Like I was shocked on draft night when they traded the rights, you know, and Luka Doncic ended up at Dallas. Mm-hmm. But clearly they wanted Trey Young mm-hmm. and for this exact reason. Well, yeah, potentially, as long as it's a four-point line comes in. Otherwise, you're shooting long, long threes. <laughs> I mean, so so, you, so I'm you, sure Luka Doncic can do that, plus, plus a bit more. He's, so he's playing pretty well at the moment, by the way, too. Do you actually think that this could potentially come into the NBA one I mean, day? it could, but I mean, every time you add another plus-point line, so to speak, I mean, when did the three-point line come in, Jimmy? 1979, 1980. Okay, so all I'm saying is, up until that point, you had all the guys playing going, well, what's going to happen to our scoring records now? <laughs> but the same thing's going to happen with a four-point line. Right. What's going to happen to all the scoring records? So, I mean, the game's already gone three-point crazy. So you can already, some guys are probably making that excuse now. Well, I didn't play when there was the three points when we're shooting 23-pointers a game. So, you know, I could have averaged 50. Um, so you can imagine what they're going to say when it's 40. Because then, what, what are you keeping all these stats for? They start getting a bit bloody strange don't they so people can talk about who's the best yeah i know but then if guys are shooting four pointers and the, the other guys only had twos to play with I mean, that's a bit uneven isn't it now philadelphia and atlanta they're not the only teams that have put it in their training facilities the chicago bulls taped a white four-point line to the floor over the recent summer <laughs> you got the color you got the color and the I, method jimmy that's deep background and i love this as well i love i love it's a white a white line not the, a red not painted. I like that, Jimmy. I don't know how the Brooklyn Nets did it, but they've apparently also had one since the 2016-17 season. But you can't confirm painted, I don't know how they did or it. Or what color? I'm just going to say it was phantom. It's phantom. <laughs> it's phantom. <laughs> phantom color. Dark, dark. Atlanta is shooting more three-pointers, but making just 32.5%. They're tied for the second worst percentage <laughs> in the league. They're launching 35.4 three-pointers a game. This season, it's the fourth most in the league. It's up from last season where they ranked seventh in the statistics. So right now, it's not going too right, well. Right now, they need more Trey Youngs, is, is what you're <laughs> right. saying. Well, you can't just play like that with anyone. 
I guess are they just thinking? Well, repetition will make will make these guys good at the end. The coach has <laughs> given them the green light to keep doing it, and that's <laughs> what's re- that's what's remarkable is that um, Trey Young has shot just twenty four point one percent from three point range and thirty seven point eight percent. What was that comment you made before then about this is why they got Trey Young? Well, <laughs> he can't shoot threes, never mind fours. Well, apparently. You're saying that there could be a four-point line. Get, like, get, get my father on the phone. He's an Atlanta Hawks fan. He's an Atlanta Hawks fan. No way, is he? Yeah, he is. Is he's he a Trey Young fan? That's well, now he is, I With guess. With that shooting record? Well, yeah. <laughs> 24% from three, but he shoots 80% from four. <laughs> the imaginary line. I mean, what good is that, Jimmy? You came hard with the with the line at the start about this is why they traded. And then you tell me you're shooting 24%. That's how you back it up. I'm just saying the coach has given them the green light, and it's, clearly, it's not just it's not just I think for the the fact that they can shoot threes or fours, fours. imaginarily. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the fact that they can space the floor by they, they're asking the defense to guard Trey Young, obviously mm. from a larger distance out from well, that three point. When you're shooting twenty four percent, you don't really have to stay up with him, do you? <laughs> They're like, yeah, we'll guard him from inside. There the is three. some remarkable vision of like two defenders going to him, and he makes the dish, and they make the bucket. But when you're pairing him with John Collins, I don't know. Maybe this is a thing. Maybe we need to keep an eye on the the four maybe point we line. Do. The Atlanta Hawks and the four point line. So you the, heard it here first. The three point line took probably um, didn't hear it for here first, but thirty eight years. So if thirty eight years from now we might see a four point line. No, thirty eight years it took. Oh my god! I just stuffed that up completely. Yeah. Don't try to do maths on it, Jimmy. <laughs> Live maths is never good. It took a long while for the three-point line to be invented. I, I'm not sure we will ever see a four-point line. I hope we actually don't see it. But um, it's but, interesting how deep the coaches think. Don't don't you agree? I, I do, but I think clearly Trey Young needs to shoot more from the three-point line and focus on <laughs> that. Twenty-four percent. Coach needs to rein him in. Whatever the green light is, maybe give him an amber for a little while. <laughs> Proceed with caution. I mean, you really get in love with the process and the the plan, aren't you? But I suppose there's not much pressure on the Hawks at the moment this year. Before we go, is LeBron okay? Do you think like he's had a couple of indiscretions lately? There was there was the quoting of the lyrics, and then there was the rocking up to the game with the wine. What did you make of that? <laughs> what do you mean is LeBron okay? Am I on his inner circle? Do I know he's okay? You might be. No, you just want my opinion if he's okay. I think he's okay. <laughs> He's living in LA now. He's a bit more relaxed. Rocking up to a Lakers game with a, with a glass of wine? Oh. Injured? I think he, uh, he doesn't have a care in the world. Yeah, well, he's just chilling. Until AD gets there. Yeah, yeah well, that's a whole other story, isn't it? Well, I reckon we'll talk about that in an upcoming episode. Great to see you. If I don't see you, which I don't think I will, Happy New Year. All the best for 2019. I didn't get a chance to say it before. Merry Christmas. And oh, I've that's been, a bit late now. Uh, yeah, I know. But I've been dying to ask, did you get a pair of LeBrons for Christmas? I didn't, but uh, you I didn't get of, a new pair. No, I didn't. I didn't this year. I got a, I got a nice pair of Jordan slides, but Ooh. no, no, uh, no bronze. There was some bronze sitting in the cupboard that we probably could have gone with, but uh, we did. <laughs> we didn't this year. Santa didn't bring them. All the best for 2019 from myself, Jimmy, and Mark Cometti. We will catch you next year on the Cometti Williams podcast. So much more to come. I'm really looking forward to it. Great to see you again, Mark. You too, Jimmy. Everyone be safe for New Year's. 